Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 301. Holy cow, I can't believe we have 301 episodes. So if you happen to miss it on last week's episode on episode 300, we talked about how we are in the process now on the Perpetual Traffic crew here of creating a product to find out from you specifically, the listener, like, What's your biggest challenge right now? What's your biggest problem? What's your big desire? And why do you listen to this show? In exchange for those ideas, we will send you probably, I would say, the top one or two internal pieces of content that we have over at Tier 11. As you guys know, we're a multi-million dollar virtual uh, ad agency, marketing agency, and we run a lot of ads, about $100 million per year. That's about $2 million per week, depending on the week. And a lot of those ads don't go so well. A lot of those ads don't perform all that well. And our team of media buyers always relies back on this one document to help them fix all the ads, which are about 70 or 80% in most cases that don't produce the result that we're looking for. And we use an item that we refer to as the tactical troubleshooting checklist. And you can get it for free. It's about a 50 page document with all kinds of scenarios click-through rate too low, CPC too high, CPA too high, not enough AOV on the back end, all kinds of scenarios you can go through and run your traffic through. And that is free when you fill out our just little survey over at tier11.com forward slash survey. It'll take you maybe a minute or so, and then we'll send that tactical troubleshooting checklist back to you on your email. And it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and it certainly helps us manage hundreds of millions of dollars per year in ad spend. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash survey. So let's get into today's show. Holy cow, I can't believe we have 301 episodes. And to celebrate that, not that we didn't celebrate last week on episode 300, we have a special guest here today joining myself and Amanda, who, by the way, is the head of content over at Boss Babe. How are you, Amanda Powell? Doing good. I'm excited. So this person used to be my boss. (laughs) You don't have to suck up to her anymore. Lots of bossy things today. (laughs) Well, this person is somebody who's been on the podcast here before and brings a lot of experience. I I think we just have to keep going back and tapping into all that experience because every time we talk to her, we learn something new and exciting. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna be talking about some pretty exciting stuff that she's a subject matter expert on. And uh, myself as well, and we'll talk about this obviously in depth, a lot of agency 
agencies that listen to perpetual traffic might want to know some of the stuff of how to actually make an agency super successful, especially in the virtual world. And today's guest is Aaron McPherson, the GM of Scalable Brand Studios. Welcome back. Hi, Ralph. Hi, Amanda. Welcome. Yeah. We missed you. I know. Where you <laughs> been? You guys too. And y'all, I've been listening to the podcast the last few weeks and it's just so good and so fun. I've learned so many cool things. That's cool. Well, today we're going to learn from you um, because you've been a part of a lot of agencies. Maybe just refresh our listeners as to what you've done in your uh, in your stellar career and what you're doing right now over at Scalable for a little context. Well, I've been working for virtual marketing agencies for a long time, like <laughs> since before there were video calls or filters or Snapchat or anything like that. So I actually started in 2004 working for a marketing agency out of New York and I worked there and I've continually been in virtual agencies since then other than a short blip when I was at digital marketers agency in the office for like two months last year until we went virtual again. <laughs> Good times were had by all. <laughs> so the pandemic saved you from the office life, really. I was kind of loving it. I was like, I go to the work and there's no dogs and kids interrupting me, but now I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, Aaron's office was the best. It had the best candy. <laughs> it yeah. had the best like plants. It was very comforting. It was great while it <laughs> lasted, but back in my bedroom, working at a desk next to my bed. Yep. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's pros and cons, you know, like there really are pros and cons to both. And I think we're going to be talking about some of those pros today, but also some cons and some challenges mm -hmm. that people face. I mean, one of the big challenges that I remember when I was first starting this whole thing is that people were like, well, you can't actually create a company culture when you do a virtual business. And, you know, service businesses, you really do need a physical location. So there's going to be brainstorming among all the people that are figuring out the ideas, in this case, for marketing. But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I think there is pros and cons to both. What I always say is like, well, you know, you might miss some of that collaboration, but there are online tools to be able to do it. And we'll talk about that today. But it will also sort of eliminate a lot of like the office politics and that kind of stuff too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's pros to everything. Well, there's a yin, there's a yang. So mm -hmm. what's your sense having worked in agencies virtually and, you know, for that short stint pre-COVID for two months over at DM? What, what's your take on, on that whole debate? Well, I agree that there is a lot of positive and a lot of negative. You're right that it's really hard to create a culture and a team when you're, everyone's remote, but it is possible. And I've seen it done, been done well. But you're also right that it's fun to be in a group and to be able to get into a conference room and collaborate. I heard yesterday, I think it was on the New York Times, that there's a lot of evidence surfacing that people feel closer to their coworkers now after a year of being virtual. And a lot of that is because their coworkers' annoying habits are not annoying them. No one's eating a tuna fish sandwich right next to them in the office. So all of the good, <laughs> the collaboration, and none of the bad. So maybe this is better for us. Wait, that's fascinating. I'm thinking of a specific, oh, he knows if he's listening. I'm thinking of a specific DM employee that microwaved fish. <laughs> oh, that's never good. He's never lived it down. He'll never live it down. <laughs> Exactly. So pros and cons. So I mean, I, I, you know, I really know no different as far as an agency goes, because that's when we started this whole thing back in, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, like I had no choice because I was, in essence, fired for the second time. And I, it was a clear signal that I can't work for anyone else. So I have to work for myself. And, you know, my wife wanted to tour the world and we would start off, we actually started off in, in an RV, like the year after I got fired. 
And I didn't have uh, the choice of really creating an agency or whatever I was doing back then. It was sort of internet marketing and affiliate marketing, selling all kinds of scammy products, most of which are, you know, have been taken off the market by the FTC. But the point is, is like <laughs> I, I was sort of forced into it. I didn't necessarily say, all right, I'm going to join or create a virtual marketing agency. My wife just sort of forced my hand and you are going to be in an RV for the next year and a half and you're going to figure this whole thing out and actually make some money as opposed to me being the only one who's making money. And I, soon enough, I actually did. And on that trip, that's when I kind of came up with the idea of it. But it was surrounding this idea of we could travel, we had location freedom. And most importantly, from at least from our perspective, and we've certainly found this, is that your hiring pool is the world, you know, instead of just the people that are in Austin or Boston or wherever it happens to be. So that I think there are there's pros and cons all over the place. I mean, for me, I see mostly pros, but then again, I've never been on the other side where I've actually had a physical office for an agency. I did have a physical office in the Fortune 500 world, but that's a little bit different. I agree with you that um, there are a lot of pros to being virtual. And I think you're, when you said that your hiring pool is the world, I think that's especially important when you're getting into creative marketing. One of the things, when I was hired way back in 2004, I was working um, for an agency that was an internal agency for the MTV networks. And one of the reasons they hired me in Austin and other people all over the country was, is they wanted creative diversity. If every single writer and creator that was creating for them lived in New York, then there was only one little amount of voice that was being heard. And so a lot of that hiring pool all over the world and being able to find talent, but also being able to create creative that has diversity and diversity is a lot of different things, but on social now, especially if you have a creator from various different places and backgrounds, then you can really create cool things. And I think, you know, that hiring side is one of the things that uh, is sometimes a challenge for for virtual agencies that maybe have gone physical and now are virtual. Like, how do I actually go through that hiring process? Like, what's my screening mechanism? Do I, like the way that I used to do it when I was in a physical office, when I worked at, you know, the Fortune 500 world is we would just hire a recruiter and get sent like hundreds of resumes. And I have to go through each one, like one by one by one, <laughs> and then do physical, like first interviews, like an entire day, 12 hours a day in this crappy little conference room, you know, and like do that, like round and round and round. Right now, I mean, the, the way that we hire is we do everything virtual and, and we put it out, you know, obviously the podcast here certainly helps from a hiring perspective, but, you know, LinkedIn and all the other sorts of sites that we use, we take people through sort of an eight-step funnel that ultimately leads them to being a full-time employee or full-time sort of general contractor. You're selling them the job. Yeah. Great. I love this. You've created a funnel to hire employees. That's really interesting. But I also feel like this is such an interesting topic because Aaron, you did do this over the past two years. Like from the ground up, you've built an internal agency at DM. So you've you've had to do this like during COVID. And I feel like that's really interesting too. Like how you hire during a pandemic, but also are able, as that was happening, we're able to expand, you know, the reach that DM was able to hire from because we were starting to go virtual and able to hire in different places. But I also feel like, yeah, I mean, especially from, you know, just hiring from a COVID perspective, like, did you find any like different challenges, Aaron, from that perspective? You know, Ralph was just explaining how they used to have to go through resumes and physically meet everyone. And I think for a long time, so many people assumed that was the best way to hire. 
I'm from the background, every person I've ever hired working in an agency has been virtual because I was always working at a virtual agency. And so it was what I knew. And because of that, I never thought there was any benefit to meeting someone in person. I remember meeting coworkers two years after I've talked to them every day and being like, whoa, you're like really tall. And <laughs> how would so I go? Funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a benefit to being virtual and that you don't have to be in a room and you don't have to do all that. And I don't know that there's really a disadvantage. I also think mm. in today's world, it's so easy to like do background and figure out who someone is and get to know them. I remember this was probably back in like 2010, we hired, we were hiring someone to work for us. And I remember the HR department saying, well, we need to get access to all of their MySpace profiles so we can go through and make sure. And I remember actually like not being allowed to hire someone because they had put something on their MySpace profile. But back then it was like such a process because it wasn't all public and everything was private. And so anyway, I just think it's easier now. I definitely do. I I think the one thing that when I used to do all those interviews back to back to back is like, I would always have sort of what I refer to as like the in-between times. Like we have a whole manual of how to hire and like what to look for and everything else that goes along with it as part of like our procedures and checklists and sites you're 11. But I always talk about like the in-between time. It's the time where they don't think they're interviewing, but they're actually still interviewing. It's like when you greet them and then when they leave and what they're like. It's like those little windows into the soul I've always found are super interesting, which I think you do get a little of that in a virtual interview. But aside from that, I don't really see a whole lot of downside. And we were we just actually did, um, as we talk about many times, Amanda, uh, on this show, is we okay, do our 90-day leadership mm-hmm. meeting. And we follow the book Traction by Gina Wickman almost to a T. And I think, you know, Ryan and Rich do the same kind of thing, Rockefeller mm-hmm. Habits kind of stuff. Um, super in alignment there. And we actually went through what's referred to as our people analyzer. And we listed out sort of the five core characteristics or our core values, what we refer to as like the five circles. And we rated everyone a plus, a plus minus, or a minus. And with 50 some odd people, I would say it was like 97% of them were all pluses or all plus and maybe like one or two plus minuses. And I think it's the result of being able to hire virtually, getting a huge pool of people, filtering them through and having a really refined process on how to do it. And I don't remember that kind of hit rate back in the physical world. Like maybe I'm just smarter or something. I don't know, but I don't think that's even possible. I think if you do it the right way, you can really get a tremendous match at the end of the day. That's what you're looking for. They want what you have and you want what they have. And that's a match. And that's sort of how we look at hiring. And uh, I think you can do it really, really well in a virtual state. So Raph, I know we were chatting, we were chatting before we hit record on like one, how to like build an agency from the ground up, but also how to build a successful agency. And this is one of the core steps, right? Hiring. But then where do you go after you hire? Like, what are the other steps in order to like build it out? Yeah. I mean, you guys know this as well as I do is is like once you get the new person in there, you need processes. You need obviously training. You need yeah. structure for people. So when they come in, you know, step seven in our eight-step hiring system is actually they have been hired, but it's, they're now not quite, we haven't released everything to them, but they're still in the training phase. So you have to have procedures for training. And our training includes like on-the-job training, but also a nine-week training, one of which is the DM training. 
like people have to go through HQ. So it's like, which is tremendously helpful for us. So it's like a big, big part. And if people don't have that training, they should absolutely have it, especially if you're in the digital marketing world. I mean, it's essential for us. We've been doing it that way for at least five or six years, you know, ever since way back when. Okay. I think you're going to have to explain what HQ is. We haven't talked about that as a DM product in so long, mm. like that. HQ used to be a multiple different things at DM. I'm actually even curious which one you're talking about because it's had multiple iterations. Like HQ used to be Digital Marketer Lab. When I started at Digital Marketer, I remember asking someone like, is this, they were like, that's just where lab lives. And I was like, oh, (laughs) but it's very different now. So now I'm curious. Now you have to explain yourself, Ralph. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's all the training on like content marketing, on traffic, on optimization, Mm -hmm. on social media management. I think there's nine of them. See, like Mm -hmm. all I know is that it's- certifications. Yeah, it's the core certifications. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we integrate that. We refer to that as like external training. But then we also have our internal training for all our procedures. And then at the same time, while they're going through that training, we're starting to allow them to do things internally. Like, you know, they'll work on, you know, our strategic account plans, which is one of the things that we use to bring customers on board. Or they'll start to assist on ad accounts, whether it be creative or media buying. So part of that training is learning our systems learning some external training, but then also on the job training. And then once they pass all these at about the, you know, nine to 12 week mark, some people do it faster. Then we graduate them just really sort of a full-time like media buyer or a full-time art director, full-time producer, that kind of thing. So it's like this gradual process where they've been hired, they're working for us, but they're still like, we're making sure that they're the right fit, uh, you know, for us. And we're making sure that, you know, we're the right fit for them. So, mm-hmm. but that starts with having a process in place. So that's just one process is the training. And then, you know, the actual doing the job is a whole other thing, which is all our systems. I want to like comment on this, Ralph, because you've talked about all this training and procedures and processes. And I think that we really need to point out that in an agency, that's so important. And it feels like, you know, you're just training your team. But the important thing is, is scope creep is so real in an agency world because because everybody's putting their marketing dollars and they just want what they want from it. And I have come thinking of a specific situation where a sales rep sold a six figure contract and it was for digital marketing services and the client's expecting millions of dollars in digital marketing services. We're not even really sure what's in the contract because obviously it wasn't, there was no process in it. And so the team is just executing whatever the client asks for. And the team is really quickly just kind of like doing things. And so making sure your team knows exactly what they're doing and knows exactly the scope of what they're doing before they start doing things is so important or you're going to lose more money than you make. Absolutely. I mean, I think that even starts with like when you're signing a customer, like we just had this conversation in the in our agency group today. It's like the customer is now asking for more in addition to like the regular service. And I said, well, that doesn't really happen with us because our agreements are so finite. I think that's a really good way of starting it. It's like we have a customer agreement, you know, we tie it into like what we're going to do for them, but then we lay out specifically what we're going to do as far as expectations. So the expectation is X, it's not X, Y, and Z. And as soon as that scope creep happens, they're like, all right, well, you know, you guys are running my ads right now, but can you create or design a landing page or a sales page? Can you do copywriting, you know, on my site? Well, that's a separate agreement. That's an additional service. So it's like, 
we're very finite on that because scope creep in the agency world is the death knell. Right. I think it's the one <laughs> biggest mistake you can make as you're building an agency is not having these like detailed, finite plans, processes, contracts, and training. And your team needs to understand. And I think that's the other thing your team needs to understand. This is what you are assigned to do. You're doing this. You execute it fully based on the contract. But if they ask you, oh, can you do this little thing? Sorry, I can't. And I know that that's hard because you want to be helpful, but I've run into problems with this very recently. So I'm sure you have as many times as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny you say that is that um, oh, our VP of creative, he runs our entire creative team. So those are art directors, project managers, and then what we refer to as producers. People actually do the physical work, do the video production or do the, you know, the images or design. And his one of his rocks last quarter was create a training that says no. <laughs> because his team are like, uh, he's self-recognized as like they are in general, and obviously the great people and they're quality people for us. They hit our five circles, you know, of like what we look for, but they're people pleasers. Always the designers. They're the nicest people. Why is that? They're always the creatives are the nicest. <laughs> I'm, I yeah, can say that because I mean, I'm not a designer. <laughs> Like, yeah, sure, I'll do that for I mean, we see it on our media buying team and our, our our CSM team sometimes too. But I mean, this was just a really good example. Like we know we have to put guardrails in place. That's exactly what happened to me recently. It was a designer designing out a landing page in InDesign. And they said, can you just drop it in? And he's like, sure, I can drop it in. And suddenly he's sure. developing custom code for a website. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Yeah. And one thing leads to the next, to the next, to the next. And I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of agencies, and I think we've fallen victim to this as well, is that, for example, like creative, I think is a good example, is that we have some customers that are like, wow, I got a creative team. Uh, I'm going to get the entire buffet. I'm just going to, it's all you can eat. All right. I want this, 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 and this. And they're dictating. Whereas for us, we flip the script on that. We're like, all right, well, you hired us for a specific reason and more doesn't necessarily equate to better. It's more quality. And the quality is the stuff that's going to move the needle, especially if you're talking about a marketing and advertising agency like us. So it's like changing that conversation, I think has been a challenge for us. And to the point now where coming out of this last leadership meeting, we have 11 tiers of pricing we now ha will have a 11 tiers of specific creative deliverables commensurate with ad spend. So what that allows our creative team to do is do better work on less creative, more thinking time. We realize like we're making a mistake here. Like we're just pumping out a hundred images, but what if you create like five really, really good ones that maybe take a little bit more time, but they're higher quality as a result. And everybody benefits from that. The customer benefits from that. The creative producer benefits from that. The art director benefits from that. Everybody feels better about it because they're doing their best work. And it comes back to, like you said, like identifying scope creep. We have identified that as a potential problem inside our agency and we're doing something to remedy it. So uh, it can happen on any different level. I'm sure you've seen much evidence of that happening. Right. And I think that um, it all goes back to hiring the right people, as you said. And then training those right people on how to execute correctly and how to execute what you're delivering. And unfortunately, like you said, how to say no to things that aren't that. And I, that will be how you can be successful in your agency. I think like, that's like your little, like, simple one, two step plan. You're done. You've won.
Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're running an agency, right? These people are hiring you for your expertise, right? So if they start dictating the terms, you're actually doing them a disservice by allowing them to dictate the terms. They come to us because we can scale and grow and unlock the potential of online businesses. Great. Like that's what you hire us to do. So we are the subject matter expert. If it says, all right, we found this avatar that's slightly different than the one that you've been going after for the last five years. And this ad copy is a little bit different. We'll make it, you know, within the branding as much as we possibly can in your voice. And we have mechanisms, like you say, systems all in place to allow us to do this. But if they still say no, we're like, no to you. Like we're going to run it, like unless it becomes like a huge conflict, like we've had issues like this in the past where customers don't allow us to do our best work. And it's not because we're trying to do our best work because we're egotistical. It's because we know this is going to help them move their business forward, which is what they hired us to do. Yeah. And I agree. That's another big catching point for agencies is you want to make money. And so you're willing to accept whatever contract comes your way. And suddenly you're not doing your best work because it's not a good fit and learning how to be like, hey, this isn't a good fit. There probably is a good fit for you, but we're not it right now is a really hard thing to do. But you're right. If you can't do your best work and I fully believe that my team can do amazing work if they're given the like if they're given the tools they need to do it. So I have zero doubt in my team's capacity to do the work they need to do. So then from there, if it's not working then we have to figure that out in a different way. Yeah. I mean, have you gone to the point where this has elevated to such a level where you end up just parting ways or you fire a customer, as we say in tier 11? Has it reached that level for you? I have done that multiple times. And at my old agency, I've done it with like million dollar contracts. Hmm. But currently there has been a couple situations. I mean, I don't want to say fire a customer because I think it can be mutual too, because if it's not working for us, it also isn't working for them. Here's my question from like an agency. I'm going to put on 
if I was an agency owner, which I'm, we've all know I'm not, but if I was an agency owner, where do you draw the line in terms of like, you're trying to bring in revenue to sustain your livelihood and your employees' livelihood. And, you know, if there's a million dollar contract and you need to make sure that your employees get paid, like, where do you draw the line? And like, how do you make those decisions as an agency owner in terms of like a customer's being difficult and maybe it's time to part ways, but you also need to maintain a solid customer base to make sure that you're bringing in the right amount of revenue every month. Isn't that the hard question? And um, we call those highly engaged customers. For me, it's when you're spending more money to sustain the customer than you're earning. So, I mean, a million dollar customer is a bad example, but if you have a $20,000 customer and your team mm-hmm. is putting in so many hours that you're basically spending more on salaries than you would on maintaining them, then that's a problem. Or a customer that's just pushing the scope creep mm-hmm. so far. That makes sense. But that's all solved really simply with like what Ralph said, having a very finite contract that very specifically details what you are, what you have Mm -hmm. sold them, because that's an easy solution. Yeah. And you can point back to that. It's kind of like, you know, when I was first starting and I had SOPs and I had checklists and somebody would say, hey, how do I do this? I'm like, I don't know. Go look at the SOP. That's like the new, uh, let me Google that for you. (laughs) Let me Google that for you. Uh, it's a common, it's a common phrase here at home too. But the point is, is like, well, if you're asking me for that, well, look at this. This is a legal binding document. I mean, you don't have to say it that way, but we don't even say contract. We say, this is an agreement mm-hmm. between me and you. This is what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do to get to this place, this future, you know, this future state of your business. So I think that is the first thing that you can rely on. And have, having really good agreements and this is something we actually give the agency owners that that come to our program and they're like, holy crap, I never actually knew that this was something that I needed. So many people are operating mm-hmm. without anything, which is crazy to me. Like, that's just like, oh my God. I mean, I guess you can start that way. But like, once you have a couple of customers, you also have to protect yourself legally too. Like there's all kinds of legally, we, we pay a lot of money for lawyers. I'm sure you guys do as well over at Scalable. Like, and you got a, like a lawyer on your board for crying out loud mm-hmm. rolling. But the point is, is like that stuff is super important. So there's that. But I think the, the bigger thing for us, just adding on like where that point is, and it's a super good question, Amanda, is pointing back to your company's mm-hmm. like values, like what you stand mm-hmm. for and the types of customers that you want to work for. And we actually redid this, not to keep going back to this 90 meeting, 90 day meeting thing, but yeah. it is actually really important. Like you have to like be planning every, you know, 90 days or so. As we said, we need to redo our manifesto page, which is the types of customers mm-hmm. that we work with and the types of customers we don't work with. And there's a very long list on both. And if somebody goes outside of that for whatever reason, then we will end up parting ways with them. And we've done it dozens of times because they breach that or they disrespect us. And like I always say to like my, my team, it's like, I, we can go out and get new customers. Absolutely, we can do that. Just have to turn on the traffic source. But it's really hard to find great people to work mm. at tier 11. I think it's easier in a virtual world because the world is your, you know, your, your recruiting pool. The point is, it's like, it's much harder to find those really ingrained people, like our best media buyers. I'll stand up for them any day of the week and let go of a customer who disrespects them or who goes against our manifesto in some way, shape or form. So I think there's, as an owner and, 
you know, even if you're small, like you got to start thinking about this sort of stuff. Like you create a mission statement. I know you guys do. We have one and it's a guiding light for us. It's like a touchstone we always go back to when we have decisions to make about hard things like this. Yeah. It's like, you know, setting the parameters, setting, you know, the rules before you even get started so that you have a line drawn in the sand that's like, okay, if this gets crossed, then we're done. And you don't have to think like, should I do this? Should I not? Which is probably where a lot of the difficulty comes when you don't have those in place. And then you're like, "Mm, where, where does, where did they cross the line or has the line even been crossed at all? Or are they so far past the line? I can't even see it anymore. (laughs) So that makes a lot of sense in terms of like, as you're getting started, or even if you are started and you don't have them in place to set them so that you know where your limits are. Yeah. Well, and I also want to just add that the vast, vast majority of customers are really great partnerships where they feel like they're getting the best deal and we feel like we're getting the best deal and our team loves working with them and their team loves working with us. And so when Ralph said, you always back your team up, I'm with you. There's a reason I have the people I have on my team, on my team, and I fully believe in them. But I also like most of my customers, I'm going to pretty much always back them up too, because I really believe in them as well. Yeah. I mean, as, as the person in charge, you have to straddle that line. Like, I, you know, I find myself sort of understanding from a business standpoint, like we're, we have some challenges to some of our customers right now. Like there's always going to be challenges. Like this is just the way, like our job is to solve problems and, you know, with traffic and conversion, everything else that goes along with it. But I always tend to think, all right, well, I'm going to support my people. But I also identify with the challenges that that business owner is facing. Like I'm a CEO and founder too. So if I were in their shoes, how would I react? Like I try to straddle both sides and figure out where that middle ground is. Uh, But if somebody really violates something, that's when we draw the line. But it's a rare instance, like you said, Aaron. I mean, we're kind of going down this route like, oh my God, this happens all the time. It it doesn't. You know, to Aaron's point and to your point, Ralph, like that's why DM has, that one of DM's core values is love, protect, and respect our customers. And I think that goes for every agency, like rather that's the exact wording or not, but I feel like every agency would love, protect, and respect their customers. And that's the whole point is that you want customers that you can love and protect, right? And you also want employees that you can love and protect. And there is that like really special balance between the two. I can think of hundreds of customers that I absolutely love, respect, Mm -hmm. and would protect. I can think of less than 10 that I've had a hard Mm -hmm. time with. Maybe, maybe a few more than that, but it's not a lot. Um, so I agree. Like the big thing is, is like, if you are, I really believe that what we can do can help our customers and can make their marketing better. And I really believe my team has the skills to do that. And between those two things, it's easy to sell because I know the product we're selling is good. And I'm assuming you're in the same position, mm-hmm. Ralph. And it's also easy to maintain customers because what they're getting is worth it. Yeah. I mean, nothing beats, I mean, I think we all, none of us work because we don't need money. I mean, we, we all need money, but I think we all work to feel good about mm-hmm. what we're doing. And for us, like when we, fe- we feel great and the team feels great, like that's the thing that kind of drives the whole success of the business is feeling great about what you're doing. And when you get positive feedback, you figure something out that nobody else has been able to figure out. And the result is that the customer's business grows or you unlock their potential and all of a sudden you know, a whole new market gets open for them because of something that you did, like that's pretty gratifying. 
And that at the end of the day is like what it's all about. Like we're all, you know, we spend a whole lot of time working. You want to be feeling good about what you're doing as opposed to the opposite. And if you've got customers that create that type of environment and, you know, for us, we only work with really purpose-driven businesses. Like we have to feel good about what we're doing. So that in combination with it, I think is a really, is a good way of, of operating. So, and, and virtual, like we said, I mean, you've done it before. It's like we, you're not necessarily just your pool of potential customers isn't just your locale. You know, it's everywhere. Like we've got customers on, I think, five continents, at least. We've got people on six continents. Nobody on mm-hmm. Antarctica as of yet, but we're trying. But yeah, you can you can find that perfect match. You can find that ideal customer. It's just a matter of you attracting them and also having something like a manifesto or something like a we believe that I know DM has done in the past because that will repel and attract people to you at the same time, but it'll also give you a very core foundation of like what you stand for. And I think that's super important in business. Absolutely. I don't know, not to not to lead right into this, Ralph, but I feel like what we were talking about on episode 300 in terms of like, we want to know what you're struggling with can go right to tier 11 yep. forward slash survey to talk more about what you're struggling with. If it is hiring, if it is finding the perfect customer, that's what we want to, that's why we're talking about this because we want to make sure that we're able to help you business owners be able to solve these problems that, you know, Ralph and Aaron have already experienced and have experience in and know how to solve. And that's exactly why we built the survey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the product that we're in the process of of doing market research on is all about either solving a problem or getting someone closer to a desired outcome. And we don't know what that is, but I think we start off with, all right, what are you having mm-hmm. issues with? And like, what is it that you really want? And if you can, you can create a product that either solves the either one of those, you're probably going to have a fair amount of business coming yep. your way, <laughs> especially if you do it in a unique way that maybe somebody else doesn't have, maybe in your in your niche or a competitor. So yeah, that's what we're trying to find out from the professional traffic listener. So make sure you do head over to tier11.com forward slash survey. And the ethical bribe over <laughs> there is the tier 11 tactical troubleshooting checklist, which I just took a look at it last night. Again, like we've added a whole ton of new stuff on there for things that have happened within the last year, especially because it's been updated in real time. And one of our designers designed it Mm -hmm. amazingly well in like 24 hours notice. Always those designers. They're the nicest. I'm going to send her some flowers or something. (laughs) I know. She couldn't say no. She probably said, screw you, Ralph. I'm not doing that in 24 hours. But she did. And like you guys, uh, the listeners are the the lucky beneficiary of that. So that's a huge thing. It's a 50-page document. It's how we go through all of our ads. And this is going to apply to Facebook ads, Google ads, whatever ads you're running. I mean, we run all social media uh, ads right now on all different platforms. But this is the checklist we use to troubleshoot our ads because most of our ads <laughs> fail. Sorry, guys, like 80, 70% thereabouts. So what are you going to do when you don't get the result that you're looking for, cost per acquisition, cost per lead, whatever it happens to be, this troubleshooting checklist will help you solve that through a step-by-step uh, way. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash survey. It takes about two minutes to fill out the survey. If that, then you get that free goodie uh, after that as an ethical bribe. <laughs> so that's this week. So Aaron, thank you so much for coming on Perpetual Traffic this week and, and uh, dropping these knowledge bombs for 
you know what? I know there's a lot of agency owners. Uh, we're starting to see it in the questionnaires. A lot of them are actually coming in and talking about their frustrations as agency owners. But I think this is a this is a higher level conversation we had today, which I think is super important, and it oftentimes does get lost in the mix is like attracting the right types of customers. What do you do? Scope creep, also like the right types of people that you want to work with internally and the benefits of a virtual agency. So thank you so much for coming on today and uh, really enlightening the perpetual traffic peeps out there with your skills. It was super fun. Thank you. I loved the conversation and we should do it again sometime. Yeah, we should. I'm going to get Darren to invite you more. He's actually on the call. He's just on mute. Hello, hello, hello. Anyway, so <laughs> so that's this week's show. Make sure you do head over to tier11.com forward slash survey. We really want to know what you're having trouble with right now or what is it that you're really looking to do because we want to create a product to help solve that and then you can actually see us solve it over the course of the next couple of months as we create our own product for you, the professional traffic listener. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash survey. And of course, you get the tactical troubleshooting checklist, which is absolutely going to help you in your social ads or wherever you're advertising right now. So for all the resources that we mentioned here on this week's show, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 301. Until next week, see ya. listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.